Hi, this is The Greatest Story Ever Played. I'm Dan, and today I am going to be talking about Gone Home. So, a description for this game is Gone Home, the genre-defining story exploration video game, is now available in the comfort of your living room. June 7th, 1995, 1.15 a.m. You arrive home after a year abroad. You expect your family to greet you, but you find that the house is empty. Something's not right. Where is everyone? And what happened here? Find out for yourself as you explore the house on Arbor Hill in the award-winning video game that's been called A Remarkable Achievement and The Greatest Video Game Love Story Ever Told. A little bit of background on the game. It was developed by Fulbright. This was their first game, and they've since released one more game, which is called Tacoma. And Fulbright was founded by Steve Gaynor, Carla Zmanoja, and Johannenman Nordhagen, and the three of them met while they were working on Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den, uh, which is the DLC for Bioshock 2, and we actually recorded an episode on it a couple months ago, so if you want to have some Bioshock, go check that out too. The characters in this game, you've got Katie Greenbrier, she's uh, your playable character, she's 21, and she spent the last year traveling abroad in Europe. Then we've got Sam, this is Katie's younger sister, and she just finished her senior year of high school, uh, like days ago. Then we've got Terry, this is uh, Katie's dad, and Janice, who is Katie's mom. Now to set the stage for kind of uh, how the game goes, so you arrive back home, you arrive home on a dark and stormy night to this mansion that you've never lived in. So you, when you went to go abroad, you left like as moving was happening or about to happen. So you've actually never been at this house. Uh, it's kind of interesting that you've gone home to a house you've never lived in. Um, it's a weird, a weird thing, for sure. When you are inside the house, most of the lights are off. So what, what the game ends up kind of consisting of as you end up wandering around this mansion into different rooms, turning lights on and kind of investigating what's inside there. And you explore the house, as I said, and as you explore, what you end up finding is different information on your family members, what they've done this last year, different stuff like that. And also in some locations, you will find a diary from Sam, an audio diary. This is pretty, this reminded me a lot of Bioshock actually. So uh, it was kind of cool to find out that these people actually did work on Bioshock. But what will happen is in some rooms you'll walk in or you'll pick some items up and then an audio diary of Sam saying, you know, this, this, and this will go on and be triggered there. I would say, unlike in Bioshock, in Bioshock the game, there's, you know, like, uh, cassettes or whatever all around and you play them and I, I think you're finding that information out in real time. I sort of suspect that the audio diary logs are not actually audio that's around but are maybe uh, you're kind of real time experiencing something that you would have read somewhere else basically. It's kind of the vibe I got but they're pretty cool. They're very effective. I like that it reminded me of Bioshock, and in fact, they worked on it, so that's that's pretty cool. So what I decided to do is, um, rather than going like linear, 
how I played the game, like I'm in the living room and then I go to the door on the left and stuff like that. I think that that would be a both confusing narrative and maybe not even that good to listen to. So instead what I've decided to do is I'm going to tackle the story for each of our characters in the family. So we'll start with Terry. So Terry is Katie's dad, of course, and he is a failed writer who does tech review, uh, product reviews for tech stuff. So th this would be something like he uh, records, uh, he um, gives like a review on like the new camcorder or this new CD player or whatever. And so his job is to just write, write that stuff out. His ambition, though, was to be a writer who wrote fiction, wrote stories. Scattered throughout the house, what we see is that his books are, I guess, I would say like conspiracy theory type of fiction. We see uh, one of them is called The Accidental Savior. They all have a theme like that. So it's like The Accidental Savior, or The Accidental Husband. That's not one of them, but I know that's a thing. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff, stuff like that. It almost seems like it's kind of a bad version of 112263 by Stephen King, uh, which 112263 by Stephen King is a great book. It's uh, one of my favorite ever. So if you're looking for a good time travel book, 112263, check it out. Unfortunately for Terry, though, he's not Stephen King. He instead uh, writes this bad, weird kind of conspiracy books that are just collecting dust in his house, that they aren't good, and instead he's writing... Uh, tech reviews uh, for products, uh, which he's bummed out about. However, we do find out as we're going through the house that some uh, kind of, I would say, like, fringy conspiracy theory type publisher came across one of his books at a yard sale, and they are like, this stuff's great. Like, audience would love this. Please write more. So he's potentially getting back into writing his weird novels, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then there is a theory that I've seen uh, bouncing around the internet that seems pretty likely. They don't um, explicitly state it, but it does seem pretty reasonable, which is that Terry was abused by his uncle Oscar, who used to own this house. I, th I think Uncle Oscar died, and so somehow Terry and his family ended up inheriting the house. So that's how they got here. But the theory as to that Uncle Oscar abused Terry uh, comes up in a couple ways. So one of the first kind of evidences for this is there is a height chart, you know, where you stand up against the wall and you, you know, make a pencil line for how tall you are. And it's Terry's height and it's in the basement and the tallest one is from November 1963 at Thanksgiving. So that's that's the last line. So we stopped coming over in 1963. Another uh, reason is that in a vault that you find a safe inside the basement, you can open it up and there is a newspaper clipping that says Oscar sold his um, soda fountain business that I guess was big at one point, but he decided to sell it and get out of the game. He's done working at a soda fountain. And then there's also a letter from Oscar to his sister inside the vault that says he sold the business um, because he wanted to get out of tempting situations, you know, so he could, you know, be right or whatever. 
And then the last part being is the theme of Terry's books, that he wants to, that it's someone who goes back in time to try to save things, to try to set things right. And it's set in the same time as his abuse that he would like to go back and change that. So the kind of, yeah, I guess those are the evidences. So the big factors, of course, being Terry's height chart stopped in Thanksgiving 1963, um, that his uncle worked at a soda fountain where, or owned a soda fountain, where a bunch of children were once there. Um, so he didn't want to be around children. And then he said that that workplace was tempting for him. So he stopped being in it. So seemingly Oscar was probably attracted to children. And so, yeah, it, it, I would say this fits pretty well together. It's a pretty dark, pretty horrible thing. And it makes me feel especially bad for Terry. I can't imagine going back to this mansion after that kind of stuff could happen. That sounds horrible. And yeah, I don't know. I think even if my family, if I were him, you know, I would think even if you were, your family was like, congrats, you inherited this mansion. And just be like, no, I'm not going back there. I hate that place. Uh, it's horrible, it's bad. So Terry's got it rough. Uh, it's got rough things going on. Now we move on to Janice, who is Katie's mom. And she works for the National Park Service, I think. Uh, or at least in like a habitat kind of sort of thing like that. Something like that. She's actually been promoted um, recently to a director of the park she works at. So she, she's doing well there. But... We also see that she's starting to catch feelings for one of her coworkers. Her, um, yeah, one of her, there's a, through, through the house, there's letters from one of Janice's friends, and the friend's like, ooh, tell me about Ranger Rick, and like wants to kind of know stuff like that. So uh, seemingly, there's this hot dude at work who uh, Janice is kind of interested in. Also, as you go through the house, you find a letter from uh, Mr. Ranger Rick, where he tells Janice, hey, we should go to this concert together. I was talking to my wife or girlfriend, and uh, she like can't go or doesn't really like this kind of music. So, you know, maybe it should be you and me. So th the vibe I get here is that Janice hasn't, like, cheated yet or isn't, like, ending her marriage for Ranger Rick. But it seems to be a little bit on the table when she's like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about it. Like, maybe, maybe I want to do this. On uh, the calendar in the kitchen, there's, a, you know, I don't know, the weekend or a long weekend marked off. And it says anniversary trip. Um, so it sounds like something good for the couple to get some time together. But then when you go around the house, what you find out is that this is actually a, uh, a counseling retreat, a uh, marriage counseling retreat, where Terry and Janice are trying to kind of last ditch, can we save our marriage? And really, this is just kind of, I'd say, all around hard for this family. Uh, for Terry, as I mentioned, going back to this house would be horrible. I would suspect for Janice, maybe you moved in and Terry's acting weird, and you don't know why. I could see that being challenging. I could see it being challenging if Terry feels like Janice is like, 
has work going well and Terry is kind of really discontent with his work. I, I could see that being a potential challenge. I don't know. Different different things like that. It, uh, it, it seems like a really rough spot for them all to be in. Lastly, we'll talk about Sam, and I would say Sam is really most of the details you get of the like items you pick up and all of that stuff. I would say the information about Sam is maybe two thirds to seventy five percent, like something like that. There's a lot that has to do with Sam and what she's doing and her friends and all of that stuff. So a large portion of the game is about her. So it starts off with uh, Sam is at a new school and she's trying to make friends. Understandably, of course, this is hard. Going to a new school and making friends is challenging. Any any of you, or uh, I moved in, during middle school, but uh, anyone else who's moved during a, a set set time of school, it is hard to go to a new school and kind of be like, okay, what, 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 what do people do here? What's cool? And stuff like that. So she's having some normal challenges there, but she ends up making one friend who is a girl named Lonnie. Um, Yolanda is her full name, but she goes by Lonnie. She meets Lonnie, and Lonnie is in ROTC, so ambitions to go into the military after high school. What Sam has happened is she starts crushing on Lonnie. It started kind of first as like, ooh, there's this cool friend I've made, to Like, I think I like her more than a friend. I wonder if she likes me. I wonder if she would feel that way about me. And Lonnie does. Lonnie has the same feelings as Sam, and the two of them begin to secretly date. After a while of secretly dating, they... I'm, I'm guessing there was kind of PDA going on at school, because the school notifies Sam's parents. So I'm guessing, like, your student is inappropriate behavior, like making out at school or something like that. That's kind of my guess. They get notified of Sam dating Lonnie, or, or that they're making out, or whatever. And Sam's parents are in denial that she's a lesbian. Their kind of attitude is, oh, this is just a phase, or you haven't met the right boy, or kind of, kind of that stuff. That's kind of their reaction to this. They're also like, oh, you guys can't go and your room together without the door open now, or, you know, that kind of thing. So her parents are in denial, and, yeah, not particularly supportive either. So, uh, Sam obviously has friction with her parents for this going on. Then school ends, and Lonnie leaves to join the military. Uh, ships off to... Uh, her basic training camp. And Sam is distraught here. Uh, seemingly, she's, she's pretty surprised that Lonnie's going into the military. Uh, I, I don't think she'd quite connected that by doing ROTC that military would be the next thing. That, you know, we won't go to college together necessarily or live in the same city anymore. Like, Sam hadn't really considered that, so she's pretty distraught. And so then we find uh, a final note. Uh, we find a note from Sam that says, Katie, come upstairs. Uh, you know, I've, I've um, 
come upstairs, that's where uh, my last stuff will be or whatever. Uh, my journal's there. And I was pretty concerned, to be honest, at this point. Um, because I was like, oh my god, like, did... Is, is Sam gonna have, like, hung herself in the... In the attic, like, which I I didn't think she'd like make Katie find her. Like I didn't think she'd be like bad, like like do do something like that. But I I, I was pretty concerned, you know, because she's felt super alone and unsupported by her family. That Lonnie left, and so she's just kind of left in this. And I don't know, attics are creepy. So I was just like, oh my god, is is this gonna happen? Like I I really can't do this. Um, but Katie gets up there, and it's Sam's journal recounting all of these things. I think that this might be what the audio diaries were actually from, is, you know, different pages of this, and we just experiencing them as they went. But Sam, Sam's final letter uh, in the journal, though, is that Lonnie had called her and said, hey, I got off the bus on the way to basic training camp. I'm not going to going into the military. Please gather your things. Come find me. And you and I will take on the world together. We'll figure out how to make this work um, and, do, and do life together. I don't want anything else but you. And Sam says, I've got to do it. Um, you know, these kind of things don't come up. And uh, I'm sad that I didn't get to see you, but I hope you understand that like, Lonnie is so important that I had to do this. And the game ends. I guess moving to a couple general thoughts. Um, one thing is that this game felt super 90s. It felt like um, the era it is set in. On the TV guide, you see X-Files being circled, which was awesome. I love X-Files. I've uh, watched all of the episodes uh, except for the most new season. Maybe even the two newish seasons. I'm not 100%. I've seen all the old ones, and I did watch all of season one of the new X-Files. Um, but I love X-Files. Huge fan. I think it's great. Uh, I loved the nostalgia there. There's also, like, uh, video game cartridges uh, in Sam's room, which is cool, like, kind of bringing those memories back as well. Also, uh, I guess Lonnie and Sam had bonded over Street Fighter when they first started hanging out, which, you know, that's cool too. I used to love playing Street Fighter as well. So, you know, it was cool. It really felt 90s. It, it felt right. Also, um, you could uh, play some, like, sets around the house that had some music, and so sometimes that was pretty 90s too, uh, which was cool. So I like that a lot. Um, another thing in this game is you walk quickly, which is excellent. Walking Sims must do this in my opinion is walking quickly when you're slow it it uh it does hurt and then to go alongside this um the house was pretty easy to explore it was pretty you know self-explanatory there was a time or two where something might be locked but um the key could be easy to find or um you know thank god for the internet you can just look up where it is which is usually what i did i'd i try to look for a little bit but um I'm totally fine with uh, looking shit up if I need to. But easy to explore. So th this is something that for Gone Home, I think did exceptionally well, is you moved quickly and where to go was very evident. Um, I think that because of this, that this puts this game in the category of very good walking sims in my book. 
um, because in a walking sim, of course, you have less interaction you can do. You know, you don't have like fight combos or you know whatever that sort of stuff. Instead, a lot of the game is really conveyed by like atmosphere, how it feels, what you read, um, occasionally what you experience. But you know. In a good walking sim, you've taken out different elements to hone in on these other ones. And I've found in some walking sims I've played that you've heard me talk about, is if you move really slow, or if it's not clear where to go, it can really hurt the game really fast. Gone Home did this very well. So, well done, Gone Home. This, I would say, almost guarantees I'm going to play Tacoma later. Um, I'm interested in it anyway, but... Uh, to know that these things were present and gone home, Coma has moved up my list quite a bit. So that's pretty cool. I, I, I like that quite a lot. Yeah, I, I, those are kind of my thoughts. I've got some listener feedback, so we'll start going through that. First, from Chris on Twitter, says, I thought the story was well done, and I like the horror feel sprinkled throughout the game. I kept expecting some sort of jump scare or supernatural twist, which kept me on the edge of my seat. I couldn't put it down, and I played it all in one sitting. Me too. I played it all in one sitting as well, uh, which was great. It was a really good way to experience this. I think I just, you know, cracked a beer and played for the, uh, I think the game was maybe about an hour and a half-ish, and it was great. It was, it was a really great way to experience the game. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And I agree, I did kept expecting something creepy to happen, and it never did, but I think it was the right thing. You know, like if you were exploring like a murder house or something, I think it would have maybe been less impactful. I think instead, you know, all the impact was from hearing about the the trauma and turmoil and stuff going on in people's lives. So, yeah, good stuff. Next up on uh, Calico on Twitter says, one of the best, most memorable games I've ever played. As a child of the 90s, the setting and the vibe of the house were spot on, and the story of teenage sexual identity crisis and parental denial was heartbreaking. One of the handful of games that actually caused me to tear up. Yeah. I Well said. Super sad seeing her parents, Sam's parents, not understand her, not get it. And uh, it, it was sad. It was sad. And uh, I agree. I'm a child of the 90s, but uh, not as old as these guys. I think I was probably like seven in 1995, something like that. So uh, and I, I, I didn't experience the 90s in high school, but I did get good glimpses, and this felt very accurate. Next up, we've got Eskerfield on Twitter said, Awesome game. A great introduction to... Heavens by Betsy, loved how they captured the mid-90s, made me think of people that receive hate now for who they are when society refuses to understand uh, LGBTQ. We still have a long way to go to remove hate and abuse. Yeah, uh, again, um, like Calico, I agree. Uh, it captures the 90s well. I like that a lot. And yeah, it, 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 um, it sucks that uh, society just refuses to understand people who are different from them, LGBTQ, for sure, and even a lot of other things. Uh, I think society gets pretty divided, and it's, it gets pretty ugly. Um, and it's sad to see. 
Uh, Carrie on Twitter said, I loved it. Plus, I'm a scaredy cat and I appreciated the option to play with all the house lights already on. Which, uh, that's cool. I didn't know that was a feature option, but I do like that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I might have done that if I would have known about it. Because there were, especially in the very beginning of the game, I was uh, creeped out a little bit. I was kind of waiting to see like blood on the wall. It says like red rum or something like that. Thomas on Twitter says, Very much my cup of tea, short and light on gameplay, but nevertheless managing to combine an interesting experience with a quite powerful story. I just wish I hadn't wasted so much time picking up and examining so much useless stuff. <laughs> I, I agree there. Um, I did. There were uh, these cabinets that had drawers on the bottom, and I probably opened like the first, I don't know, 10 cabinets that were that way, and then I was like, oh, there's never anything in any of them. I'm going to stop opening them. <laughs> so I did do that, and yeah, I uh, agree. Interesting experience um, and a good story with it. Maniac on Twitter wrote in, I love this game so much, and the soundtrack. Beautiful. Yeah, the mu the music was quality in this, too. It really fit the game. It, it, it felt right. Lilani on Twitter said, uh, I loved it so much. Definitely wish they'd adapt it into VR. Did you play What Remains of Edith Finch? I love that, too. Hope to see more games like these. Uh, that would be pretty cool. I think this game would uh, translate to VR pretty well. I've uh, only played VR in limited capacity. Like, I've had a friend who's had it, and I've, like, played for 10 minutes off and on a couple times kind of thing. But I think this would be pretty cool. Walking around this house, I think it would really feel like that with the first-person view the game gives you. This would probably be a pretty cool experience in VR. So I, I, I think that is cool. And What Remains of Edith Finch, I have played that. I love that um, game. Uh, for me, I would say What Remains of Edith Finch is the best walking sim style game I've played so far. So if you haven't played that one, I highly, highly recommend it. Also, maybe nine months ago, a year ago, something like that, I did actually record an episode on What Remains of Edith Finch. So if you want to hear that, go check it out for sure. And I would love to see more games like this too. I hope that this um, walking sim style of game continues and they keep and developers keep kind of using it and exploring new angles to it. I thought that, uh, I think there's a lot of potential in this style of game. Lastly, I've got Shadow Stars on Twitter who says, Loved Gone Home, perfect game to play right after Life is Strange. And yeah, I, I could really see that. I think that uh, after playing Life is Strange and I'm looking for more games, Gone Home is definitely one I would recommend. Uh, it does capture some similar emotional notes um, and yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty strong game. So, uh, yeah, good recommendation. So that is Gone Home. If you'd like to contact us, you can do that on Twitter at StoryEverPod, or you can email us at thegreateststoryeverplayed at gmail.com, or you can visit our website, thegreateststoryeverplayed.com. Uh, you can get all our episodes there and... Uh, there's a couple articles just kind of showing what like, bonus content is and stuff like that. If you'd like to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, we'd super appreciate that, just helping increase visibility and stuff like that. If you have other walking sim recommendations, I'd totally take them. I'd love to play more games like these. Gone Home was a strong uh, entrance to that. So, yeah, I guess that's about all, and uh, we'll see you next time.